morning. Good morning, everyone, and let me add my welcome to, to Riches. I'm Andrew, and I'm a member of the church family here, and I'll be guiding us through God's word as he speaks to us today. Let me just start with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for the book of Jonah. Thank you that salvation belongs to you and that you are, and that you are generous with your salvation and that you want all to receive it. Please would you speak to us today that we might learn from you and that we would respond in the right way. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Now, all of you know that there is a football game on starting in two minutes because Rich has announced it this morning. Um, a pretty big one. It's the final of the Women's World Cup. And England's Lionesses have a chance to win the game and bring football home. Um, each team has a manager that stands at the sidelines and calls out to their players, telling them which plays to do, like shoot or defend or... <laughs> as you know, I've, that's as much as I know about football. <laughs> I do apologise. Um, they, they constantly do this because they want their team to win the game, and in this instance, to win the cup. This is a little picture of what God is like. He's completely committed to calling out to people to, be, to repent and to be saved. And so far in Jonah, we've, we've seen God call out to him to go to Nineveh and to call out against it. Um, but he runs away from God, and Jonah does this for two reasons. Firstly, because of his fear of the people that live in Nineveh. Nineveh was a major and, and one of the largest cities of the Assyrian Empire, which later becomes the capital. Um, the book of Jonah points out a little of what they're like. Um, we see in chapter 1, verse 2, their evil has come up before God. We see the king of Nineveh, uh, Nineveh uh, proclaim in verse 8 that people need to turn away from their evil ways and from the violence that is in their hands. But to get more of an idea of what they're like, let's have a look at this photo on the screen. Now, this photo is a part of the gate um, from Balorat, a city near Nineveh, believed to be from the century before Jonah, during the time of the Assyrian king, Shalmaneser. It's a really nasty and wicked scene. You can see Assyrian soldiers cutting off their enemies' hands and feet and impaling them with a large stick and standing them up in a row on display. And others, they cut off their heads and they hang their heads from the walls for all to see. And obviously this is supposed to strike fear for all that see it and look at Nineveh, which gives, which gives a message that you don't want to mess with this city or you don't want to mess with the Assyrians. Uh, and later on in the Bible, in Nahum, um, he describes Nineveh as the bloody city and continues to go into detail of the evil that is in Nineveh. This really shows us the wickedness of the people in Nineveh. And this is where Jonah has been commanded to go. And this is not where Jonah's from. Jonah's from Israel, a rival land. 
He doesn't only run away because of fear, but also because of his belief that Nineveh did not deserve salvation because of their evil deeds. Jonah did not want them to be saved, and we'll see more about that in chapter 4 next week when we look at that. But today we'll be looking at the theme, as Richard's pointed out already, of calling out. Everybody in this passage calls out, and it seems to be an important theme throughout this book and chapter. Now, in our ESV translations that you've got in front of you, the phrase call or call out comes eight times in the book. Although with a choice of words used in translation, it could come several more times. Uh, In this chapter, God calls Jonah, and it is a call of salvation and judgment. Throughout the Bible, God calls out this message of salvation and judgment. And judgment is a reality for all, no matter of background, no matter of belief, no matter of status or or anything else. And without this message of judgment, there is no need for salvation. So people do need to, to hear this. They need to understand that they will be facing judgment in order to see that their need is for salvation. And the Lord, he, lo- he loves to save. It's why he created the universe. It's why he sent his son. It's why he does all that he does. And in this chapter, he uses Nineveh as an example of how far his salvation goes by showing that he's willing to save such a wicked and evil people, even an enemy to God's people. Even after Jonah's rebellion of God's request to go and call out to Nineveh, God hasn't given up on them. God asked Jonah again to go and call out and preach to Nineveh. So if you just look down at verse 1. Then the, Lord, uh, sorry, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Nineveh here is described as that great city. There is much debate on the meaning of this, but you'll notice that there is a, a little footnote there in your Bibles saying in Hebrew it says a, grit, a, a, city, a great city to God. Sorry. I understand it as a great city in size, and so God cares for the people that are there. And it, and it makes sense. If you look down at verse 3, it mentions the city's size. And also at the very end of chapter 4, it mentions the city's population. Now, these words, call out, can be translated in different ways. And from what I understand, there are four ways that it could be translated from Hebrew, which are call out, cry out, preach, and proclaim. We'll be seeing through this chapter the different call outs and how we should call out. In God's command to Jonah, in both chapter 1 and chapter 3, in our ESV translations, it uses the exact same words. So you can look wherever, chapter 1 or chapter 3. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. However, the NIV translates it in two different ways. Um, each, each time that the Lord commands to Jonah, it describes that call-out word differently. So in chapter 1, in the NIV translation, it says, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. However, in chapter 3, in the NIV translation, it says, go to that great city of Nineveh 
and proclaim to it. This just helps us to get a deeper understanding of how God calls to his people through the preaching and proclaiming of his people. The call of God to the people is always the same, salvation and judgment. And in the New Testament, Jesus has the same call, salvation and judgment. In, in John chapter 3, Jesus says, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already. We know, we know now that salvation is only possible through Jesus. And Jesus is saying that for those who believe in him, they can have salvation from judgment. But for those who don't believe in him, are already facing judgment. God's call is the same, salvation and judgment. So now let's have a little look at Jonah's call. Let's look down at verse 3. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. This time Jonah goes to Nineveh. He obeys the Lord, and we're giving more information about Nineveh, that it's three days' journey in breadth. This means to walk from one side of the city to the other was a three-day journey. So it's a pretty big city. Verse 4, Jonah began to go into the city, a day's journey, and he called out. So Jonah has done a day's journey in, so I would say that he's pretty central and has decided that this is the right place to call out, which it sounds about right. You can imagine that, like now, the centre of the city would be the busiest part with the most people around. Jonah calls out God's message. Jonah preaches. He pro proclaims God's message to the people of Nineveh. Jonah's call is a proclamation of God's message. And here it is, Jonah's sermon, verse 4. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. That's it. It's a short sermon. Um, and although it's a short sermon, to be honest with you, I struggled with it for a long time. It's a, it was a real struggle to get my head around. Um, and it's not something that, by looking at it, you would, it would be easy to respond to. If I just came up here this morning and I just said those eight words or the, the lines down would be overthrown, what would, you, what would you take away from that? And a lot of you know a lot about the Bible as well. But remember who Jonah is preaching to. He's preaching to the people of Nineveh, who are pagans. What chance do they have to obtain salvation from, from that message? There's no mention of sin against God, and, there's no, and they, there's no need to respond, and, or how they need to respond. This doesn't sound like a message of salvation and judgment, but just judgment. And it can be tempting here to think that Jonah is being a bit naughty. It's definitely not out of character for him. We've seen in the previous chapters, um, and also we'll see in chapter 4 more of what he's like. We've seen so far that Jonah has run away from God and tried to do everything to, not to, live, to deliver this message for God even to the point where he asked the sailors to throw him overboard in the hope that he would die and escape God. And so we could think 
that because he finds himself in the, Nineveh, in the, in the middle of Nineveh, so he's going to deliver God's message, but not only that, a message that he wants to give. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. But because he doesn't like the Ninevites, he doesn't like the Assyrians, we know this, he would love to see them destroyed. However, I just want to make it clear, I don't think this is the case. I think that Jonah does go in faithfully, proclaiming God's message to Nineveh. And there are two reasons for this. If you look at verse 3, so Jonah went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. This shows that Jonah was obeying God as he went to go and preach to the Ninevites. But also, if we look at God's command in, in chapter 1, arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, because their evil has come up before me. Jonah's proclamation fits perfectly with God's commands back in chapter 1, as he's commanded to call out against it because of their evil. It might be that Jonah's sermon was longer than what is stated here, but if it was longer, then the author here wants us to see that Jonah goes and preaches against the evilness of Nineveh, sharing God's message of salvation and judgment. But also we know that God's work is not reliant on our best efforts. It is God that opens the eyes of the blind and brings people to himself, which is a big comfort to me being up here today because I might come down, might come down from here thinking I've done a terrible job of sharing God's message with you today. But I know that God has the power to use whatever I say to help share his message and bring along change that he wants. But it is clear here that Jonah, Jonah's call is a proclamation of God's message. After Jonah's sermon, we're told in verse 5 that the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Now, this can be surprising to us, as I'm sure it was to Jonah also, that this wicked and evil people of Nineveh believed in God. It wasn't just some of them. It was all of them, from the greatest of them to the least of them. All of them believed God. And if we look back at Jonah's sermon, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, the Hebrew word for overthrown can describe complete destruction, as shown in these verses um, on the screen. So Genesis chapter 19, verses 24 to 25 says... Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven, and he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. This is probably the message that we first thought of and also what Jonah thought of as well. A message of complete destruction to this wicked, wicked city. Um, but in Hebrew, the, the word overthrowing can also be used to describe change. So it, it's used in Exodus to describe the turning of the Nile 
water into blood. So the, the other verse on the screen there. With, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn into blood. And the response we see is that the people of Nineveh have changed. They have turned away from their wickedness and turned towards God. They have believed in God. They've started fasting and put on sackcloth. Now, the action of fasting is a way that man can humble themselves. And also the putting, off, the putting on of sackcloth is a public way of showing sorrow and regret for the things that they have done wrong. So this is an outward sign of repentance and humbleness. This is a sign of real change. And we see a similar reaction from the, the king of Nineveh as well. Verse 6, the word reached the king of Nineveh. And he rose from his throne, removed his robe, covered him, himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. Again, a sign of repentance and humbleness. But not only that, verse 7 continues. Uh, sorry, verse 7 says, And he, that's the king, issued a proclamation and published through, and published through Nineveh. Can you see here that the king is calling out to Nineveh? He issues a proclamation. Verse 7 continues, By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herds nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Nineveh's call is a, a mighty cry out to God. The whole city has repented and they've even included their, their livestock in the fasting and the wearing of sackcloth. The people of Nineveh cry out for, to God for salvation in an uncertain hope that God will save them. They've got no idea if God will save them or not. And we heard a similar thing back in chapter 1 as well with the sailors uh, when they asked Jonah to call out to his God. Verse 6 in chapter 1. Perhaps the gods will give us a thought, will give a thought to us that we will not perish. Perhaps, perhaps, and here in, in chapter three, who knows? And in verse 10, we see when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said that he would do to them, and he did not do it. As we know, God loves to save, and he has done so here again. God loves to save, and he's done it here again. Throughout the book of Jonah, we've seen the Lord is in complete control. He loves to save. It is worth remembering that all of us here were born in evil and wickedness with a hatred for God, as it's our fallen nature, just like Jonah just like the people of Nineveh. 
and every single person that has come before us and every single person that will follow on from us as well. None of us are worthy of salvation and it's only because the Lord loves to save that we have a chance. Because God calls out a message of salvation and judgment that is for everyone. We might think that we're good and nice people, but in the eyes of the Lord, we're like the people of Nineveh, and we're heading for judgment and destruction. But like Nineveh, but like Nineveh there is a way that judgment and destruction can be avoided. To avoid this, we need to believe and cry out to God for salvation. And if you have never done so, I urge you to do the same. Like the king, like the king of Nineveh proclaimed, call out mightily to God and turn from your evil way. We need to cry out to God for salvation and turn from our sins. No one is too bad for salvation, and God loves to save. Nineveh is an example of that. The odds are in our favor. But unlike the sailors and the people of Nineveh, instead of being unsure of the outcome and saying perhaps or who knows, we have a certainty of salvation because of Jesus' death and resurrection. Crying out to God's is not something we just do once. We can continue to cry out to God, thanking him for salvation and asking him for his help, knowing that he loves us and will want, and will want the best for us. But we're not only to do this, but, like, but also like Jonah did, we are to proclaim God's message Therefore, continue in the work that God loves, which is to save people. There is no limit on God's power to save. Nineveh is that example to us. It's a people that nobody thought God would save. And so as we go proclaiming God's message of salvation and judgment, we should do so to everyone, as there is no limit to God's saving power like God does throughout the whole of Jonah, God may do something that we don't expect. Our call is to cry out to God and proclaim his message. Let me pray. Father, thank you that you love to save. Thank you that your call of salvation and judgment is for everyone. Please would you help us to keep crying out to you and that we would proclaim your message so that more would be saved by your hands. Pray us in Jesus' name. Amen.